Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Ariel Apolka and Nance Ackerman. We talk about their important new film, Conviction, um, a feature documentary film that envisions alternatives to prison through the eyes of women behind bars. Right from the website, that's convictiondocumentary.com. The film was uh, playing at uh, Hot Talks this year, 2019. And uh, check it out. Uh, stay tuned online. I'm sure that you can follow them on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and find out when the film will be released. I'm sure it's going to be doing a little bit of a festival tour. Um, you're going to find out why, uh, who uh, is the fastest, uh, who makes up the fastest growing population in in, in, in the world in, in prisons. We're, we talk about vulnerable and, and, and marginalized people that, that are in prison. And we talk about responsibility and, and, and this fascinating thing about art for change, art for healing, and how film and photography and, and a variety of approaches to art actually can have a uh, an impact in people's lives. We talk about active listening and, and communication and, and why why prisons are actually a really bad or poor investment of money. And we talk about a real allocation of resources and, and why prisons really aren't healing environments. That's not what they're built for in a sense and we, we get into things around PTSD and trauma childhood trauma in particular and and how how do we really prevent uh, recidivism and uh, this is a film that you you really want to see it's about responsibility it's about impact it's it's about uh, hmm, it's kind of a kind of an indictment of society too in in many respects so check it out convictiondocumentary.com and don't forget uh, davidpecklive.com as well check that website out for more information about my podcasting and my public speaking I'd love for you to uh, order a book uh, that I wrote a couple of years ago called Real Change is Incremental. I'm hoping to get back uh, to writing something again very soon, hopefully before 2021. I might I just put that on uh, on the air here now. That's that's uh, recorded for for all to hear for in perpetuity. So there you go. I've just made some sort of um, informal slash formal commitment to publishing my next book before 2021. 
Uh, and don't forget uh, to face-to-facelive.ca for, for more uh, interviews. We've got close to 450 there and, and growing all the time. Loving every minute of it. If you can support the work we're doing uh, financially, a uh, dollar a month, $5 a month, boy, would I appreciate it. You can do that through patreon.com if you believe in what we're doing here. And if you can't do that, and I totally understand if you can't, if you could leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or share share the podcast with your friends or sign up for our email newsletter or maybe even um, advertise on face to face we'd certainly appreciate it that's another way you can support the work we're doing here too and i appear on rabble.ca another platform a news agency here in in canada uh, rabble.ca bloggers podcasters journalists uh, people you're going to want to hear voices you're going to want to listen to uh, about issues news for the rest of us that's rabble and coming right up a conversation a fascinating conversation about a, a brilliant new film with Ariella Polka and Nance Ackerman, their new film, Conviction. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by uh, two very special guests here with me today. Uh, direct from the East Coast, I guess we can say, here in Toronto at Hot Docs to talk uh, to Face to Face uh, about their, their new film, Conviction. We have Ariella Polka and Nance Ackerman here live. Uh, not in the studio, but in a studio. Thank, thanks to you both for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So, so f- fresh off three screenings at Hot Docs, um, why, why don't you? Why don't we step right into the film and the, the context and the conversation? I guess you could say. Tell, tell us a little bit about the screenings. How, how's the how's the film been received? And, and 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 maybe you can kind of wrap that into a little bit of context for our listeners about what this film conviction is really all about. Nance, you want me to go? <laughs> <laughs> off you go. Off um, the screenings were were great, um, pretty packed. Uh, we had um, a lot of interest in um, aspects of the film that relate to how we made it. Um, we had guests there, two guests, three guests from the film. Mm. Um, Senator Kate was there for the first two screenings, and so was Bianca Mercer, one of the women in the film. Right. And um, the the architect in the film. And Sinclair was also there for two of the screenings. So it was really, really great to have them. And um, we felt, I think that we had, we had, I mean, we had, we had great feedback and from a variety of different people, filmmakers, um, audience people, people who work with nonprofits, teachers. Um, yeah. So a lot of different kinds of feedback, but it was very positive. Um, and the Q and A's I think were impressed me because they were, substantial so they were the questions were uh, really about the issues and about um how people could be involved um about how we made the film also um sorry i just i think that i think uh, the biggest the biggest feedback we got was um that it was really powerful and people were truly affected like there were there was a lot of emotion and crying and and feeling pretty devastated by the film which we were hoping that it would do that, but it would also leave people feeling a little bit of hope and a little bit of desire to do something for change. So um, all around, we were really happy. And what was wonderful is that we did have a um, one of the ex-prisoners um, from the film, probably, you know, who had the biggest role in the film. She was there speaking and she was just captivating, um, as well as the senator, who was unbelievable mm-hmm. as well. It was great. So it seems, and by the way, congratulations on the film. I mean, it's, it's, it's engaging. It's, it's, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, 
I don't, it's, it's one of those films that, that pulls you in from the get go and you can't, well, I can't help but empathize with, with the characters and, and see friends and see family, see myself and, and, and wonder, Mm -hmm. you know, and kind of wonder what is next. Um, you know, you, 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 you say in the film right out, right out of the gate that, that, uh, shortly after those yoga-like establishing shots, which is kind of, and I think you, you kind of, you bookend the film with both that shot, don't you? I think, I think you do. Um, mm, yeah. W- women are the fastest growing population in prisons in, in the world. Can, can you guys talk a little bit about that? And is that what drew you into this or, or was it even more personal than that? Yeah, I mean, they are they are the fastest growing prison population in the world. I think that was a statistic that we sort of found um, all at the same time. Our other co-director, Teresa McGinnis and um, Ariella and I got together and wanted to make a film. I think um, Ariella can talk more about her her sort of philosophy around punishment. Um, She was pretty uh, digging into those issues and both um, Teresa and I had met Kim Pate before and were very impressed Mm -hmm. with her work. So the genesis of this film kind of came through all of us coming together and wanting to make a film together, but, um, and each of us coming at the issue, I came at it from a very, you know, I'd met Ashley Smith's family, um, you know, the, the girl that had killed herself in prison um, as, a, as the guards had watched when she was 18 years old. And uh, I, I had come at it from a very sort of emotional and, and a connection with Kim, um, Teresa's past work. I mean, she did buying sex, another, another film that was at hot docs. So she's dealt with a lot of, um, criminalized women in her ish, in her films. And, and Ariella, you can talk about your thoughts on punishment. Yeah, I guess. Well, I, I was really, um, I mean, I think that this, that, that statistic made us all wonder why, um, mm-hmm. which we do say to the film. Um, and I think that we all had some sense that, um, more and more vulnerable and marginalized people are ending up in prison. And so the idea of what prison is and what prison does has always kind of in- interested me. And I've, I've always found it problematic. So is it, you know, is it about punishment or is it about rehabilitation and how can something be both? And why, you know, why do people act out in bad ways? Why do people act out violently? You know, we all kind of, have some sense of um, that most people in prison have had very traumatic experiences in their childhood. Um, But, you know, how is that, how does that cycle work? Why do people, the same people keep ending up in prison? And I think we all had the feeling that it's not, it's not working. We wanted to understand why, and we really wanted to understand that to to explore that question um, from the perspective of, of, people who are in prison um, in a creative way. I've done a lot of work that's um, sort of collaborative documentary work where I've used art to have people who are participants in the film express themselves in, um, in ways that often ends up being, you know, really empowering and gives them a, a sense of also being a creator in the film or you know, have, have a sense of authorship about how people want to tell their stories. And well, what's so, you know, what's so creative, creative, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say what's so amazing to me about how, how you piece this together and help me out here. And, and maybe this is why uh, three, three directors, but three directors, right? 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I would almost say maybe more in the sense that you've got these other artists that, that you're telling these stories within stories. And I guess all of us are like that. We're all very complicated and nuanced and we have our own idiosyncrasies and so on. But you actually have, you know, artists, photographers, poets, uh, you know, visual artists, you know, filmmakers within the film that you're following, like these these individual diaries. And yet they're all linked in a variety of ways. Yeah, and we really, when we first started working with the women, we, we went into the provincial prison in Burnside and we did a presentation for um, uh, 11 women. And those were all the women, the, it was only 25% of the women, there were 40 women, 42 women in the prison at the time. And those were the only women that were not on remand, which means the only women that had already been sentenced. Everybody else was just waiting there to be sentenced. So they weren't allowed to take part in the, in the program that we were offering, which was a creative um, program and uh, the women came you know from the start we, we did a presentation and we said to them that we wanted them to be the ones to decide um, which aspects of their lives they would want to show and how they would want to show that and that's how we continued to work with them throughout the past four years even during the edit um, so that was always a sense that we really wanted them to be able to control and direct and we gave them cameras they can frame, they can show and not show um, mm. what what they feel comfortable with. And that process was an ongoing negotiation. So often, you know, sometimes they had given us some footage that they had taken, we put it into the film. And then when we watch it together, um, you know, through a lot of back and forth dialogue, they ended up saying, no, in fact, it's not something that they want to go out to the public. Right. So, you know, and that was very much part of... Um, what we wanted to do to respect the way that we worked with them. We didn't want to do interviews and ask, you know, ask questions about their lives. We really wanted them to figure out a way, way to decide what they wanted to share and how they wanted to share it. Is there a sense, is there a sense in which you, you were trying, um, I would, I would imagine as filmmakers, as storytellers, you were, you know, intentionally working on a variety of levels, but also sort of, you know, tacitly working on other levels too. And I wonder to what degree you might've been addressing that almost that, hmm, that need for affirmation, that need for uh, access, that need for, you know, I think one of the young women says at one point, you know, when, when Senator Pate says, what, you know, how would you spend a hundred thousand dollars or what would you do differently? And I think one of the women said, oh, well, I, I just needed somebody to listen. And when you hear it put that way, I mean, you guys were giving these young women, these, uh, an opportunity that they clearly weren't getting elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, I, I think uh, there's a lot of, a lot of directors and filmmakers and musicians and uh, radio, you know, documentarians that, that have gone into marginalized communities. It's not a new thing, you know, in my world, I was a photojournalist for years and, and we did photo voice all the time. Um, mm -hmm. It's a it, film and, and photography and, art and music all are obviously we all know um they give people a voice the women that open and close the film or they don't give them their voice they allow their voice to be heard to, to be heard sure they already they are they, they already, already have, have a voice yeah yeah um but the beginning and end of the film um is in nova is in the federal women's prison where we didn't have anywhere near the access but we were allowed in to work on this musical project with them and many of them had said it's the first time they'd ever heard them, their own voice singing. And um, 
all the words that you hear throughout the film come from their spoken word and their poetry and their rapping. And the, the more than a number song at the end is all written by them. So they all found their voices too, along with our main participants, our main collaborators. So it was sort of all through the film. Yeah. And I mean, beyond and- the, the one, sorry, the one that um, came to the screening, I mean, she throughout the last, two and a half years she's been calling us her film crew she'll be like let my film crew through here and let my film <laughs> so you know there's there is a definitely fuzzy lines in terms right. of who's directing who that's right yeah and yeah it, and it's interesting because i think that some of the women also you know they had um they i i was i was amazed by how creative and how insightful they were uh immediately you know when we first started uh about what they wanted, how they wanted to express themselves, the kinds of photographs, the kinds of writing, um, you know, what, what they did with their voices. And I think that they, they had that additional sense that they, I mean, I think being in prison even more, I mean, it's, you can't talk to people in the outside world, you don't have access to the internet. So through the film, I think it was also a way for them to be able to reach out and communicate with the world with mm. the viewers with the audience you know not just with us and it's not just about okay like you've never you know used your voice in this way before but they were very um clear that they they wanted to share their what they felt should change uh with other people where where do you what do you hmm what do you say to sort of i don't know if these folks would be called critics but at some point in the in the film and it, it might have been um the senator who said you know many many of these women don't just don't deserve to be there and i wonder how 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 far you could sort of extend that you know when we're you know you've made this film about alternatives and artist therapy i suppose and and and, and different approaches uh, to to corrections i also by the way we need to talk about this a little bit but you know that prisons weren't meant to be treatment centers and shelters and yet that's the way they're being used i mean there's some there's some really important messages here that need to get out that clearly you guys think it, it, it are, are worth talking about can can you talk about any of those things at all and i i want to link it to the critic who might say well yeah but you know what, what, what's the line you do the do the time you do the no sorry you do the crime you do the time <laughs> Yeah, well, Kim Kim mentions that um, in one scene that she she grew up when she grew up she wanted to be a lawyer she wanted to make money she came from a working class family and she had that very that very perspective. Um, this is Senator Kim Pate um, that you know people deserve what they get. You do the crime, you do the time. That exact line she says that in the film and she talks about it. And it's, you know, I think it's one of the to me one of the most meaningful kind of statements that really addresses what you're asking um, because she talks about how, how, how that changed for her once she realized who, who was in prison and why and how it was, you know, so many of the most vulnerable people in society who have had really traumatic experiences. And, you know, there's a fine line, like you can be black and white about it. You can say, well, you know, are they just, you know, victims or are they perpetrators like people will argue in that way and it's really not that black and white and she does explain it when she says it's it's not about excusing you know some people might have have you know committed acts of violence or you know really problematic things done problematic things 
And it's not about excusing it, but it's about understanding it and about society's response to it that is actually a response that would work instead of the response that we have right now, which is the prisons, which through the film, we really want to show that it's not working because people are leaving and coming back in and leaving and coming back in. So it's, it's much less a film about the prison. It's more about society. Like, what can we do to have a much better support for, you know, for people who are in like anyone who, who's in a film and anybody who's in prison, who's um, like the women in our film. Yeah, I think you have to understand, too, that that it's not just activists and, you know, bleeding heart filmmakers like ourselves that think like this. I mean, the, the head of corrections, it was like a decade ago that all the corrections uh, got together, the heads of corrections got together and said that 75% of the women in prison could be released right then and there with absolutely no increased danger to society. Wow. They know that. We had a meeting with the head of the provincial corrections and I looked at him and I said, so do you punish your kids? And he said, well, I've tried a couple times, you know, by taking away screen time or by whatever and taking things away from them. And I said, well, how does that work for you? And he said, it doesn't work. They know, they know that punishment as a response to vulnerable, to vulnerable people's reactions to their own trauma is not working. So it's 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 just a message that needs to kind of seep seep into our psyche. I'd love I'd um, love I'd love to go deeper and I hope we can on the trauma and the PTSD like nature nature of this conversation connected to mental health issues and so on. And and um but but am I hmm, am I ready for that, you know, as a community member? <laughs> am, am, am is my family ready for that? To, to, is the mayor of my town open to that kind of an approach these Again, I think it might have been Senator Pate's language, but these non-prison-like responses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I think I think we are ready for that. Sorry, Ariel, I'll, I just, but I think we are ready for it because I mean, just even the people that you wouldn't think would be ready that are just about money and just about they they gauge progress in a community with how how big the condos are, but if you if you actually gauge it would say let's just take away that whole thing we just talked about about treating all the most vulnerable take take that away and just talk about money is a colossal that colossally bad investment of our tax dollars it is a really bad investment just talk money um it's it averages every time we talk to people and we put in a hundred thousand dollars as an average between federal and provincial because federal is generally quite a bit more for women $100,000 and we just, you know, showed it to a garden. She said, actually, it's like 140,000. It keeps going up and up That's per, per year, year. Per year. $140,000 to put a woman, a woman in prison. What could you do? It's, it's all about reallocating funds. It's not mm. that the funds aren't there. It's that they have to be allocated to the place that, where they're going to work. Is it just, is it just too hard? Is that, is that kind of what I'm hearing? Do you think, is this just an easier solution for the time being? I think that we as we, it's a tough question. I know. Yeah, I mean, people end up. You know, there's the like, people end up putting. You know, wanting to protect themselves from the things that they don't like and that they're afraid of, right? So it's mm -hmm. a protectionist move. Uh, at this, uh, you know, apparently about public safety. But what what's misguided about that is that almost everybody who 
goes to prison comes back out and they come back out and they're, and they're worse. They're worse off because of the way that they've been treated and that they haven't been given the proper support. And it's not a great environment. It's not a great like healing environment. So for society to think that, you know, we're going to deal with, even if it's just about our safety, that we're going to be safer if we put all these people behind bars, that's not actually true either. I mean, I think, David, I think it's, it's, you have to look at it. Like I always compare it to, you know, who'd have thunk it uh, 25 years ago when you're flying in a plane filled with smoke that you could have actually banned smoking in all public places. And, and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not that it it can happen. You just have to hit people's pocketbooks. You have to hit, you have to let them know how, how much money they're losing and how much their community is suffering. And also I think in our, in our, just to bring it back to the film, the reason we chose to really focus in on um, for key people and to really follow them and, and, and experience um, through their eyes, what they go through when they leave, you know, is a way to actually just humanize, you know, what, what are we doing to our fellow members of society by doing this? Like we, you know, and that's, that's, those are many of the comments that we heard after the screenings, people just felt so connected with these women. And, you know, it's, I think that what I was saying before, like we put people away behind bars because we don't, we don't want to see them. We don't want to have to deal with them. You know, we don't want to feel that connection. And yet in this film, we were trying to do the opposite. We were really trying to establish that connection between, you know, who's us, who's them. I think what's that last line in the, in the rap, you know, beyond the fence, we see common ground. That was one of the lines Mm -hmm. from the women. They, but they're just they're just craving that connection too. They don't, you know, everybody they, they want they want to have this dialogue with society as well, and that's why they're in the film, and that's why they're sharing very very intimate aspects of their lives. Wasn't the there's, um, a, there's an opening I think it, opening piece of poetry? At the, yeah, opening piece of poetry at the beginning of the film uh, re- released me from my. I, I wrote it down. Released me from my my shackles and and let me prove my worth. And I mean, isn't yeah. isn't that what we all want to do? Isn't that what we're all trying to do in our in, 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 in whatever way we can, whether it's through the job we have or the yeah. people we meet and so on? And, and there's something really uh, – I mean, this is what I love about filmmakers and about great film and docs in particular that provides this opportunity to empathize, empathize with others in a way that you just can't find anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, we're all trying to prove our worth. Like you say, all of us are doing that and we all fail, you know, yes, in big ways. But when they fail, it's just the reactions are so the response is so violent and so um, damaging that that's the problem. They get thrown right back into prison. Mm. So and it's just a, as Senator Pate says all the time, it's just a circumstance that they're you know, we've all had, you know, what's her, her whole thing is that crime is a theory. We all have, I'm sure, broken the law in certain points in our life. And it's just because, A, we didn't get caught. We're in a stratus of the, of society where it's acceptable um, and they're not. And that's the problem. Can, can either of you talk about what, what is an abolitionist's perspective on this? Does, is, it, is it what I think it is? Yes, it's that, um, well, prisons should be, uh, 
shut down, people should be released from prison and then the prisons shouldn't exist. Yes. Is that, is yeah, that you think no, about? that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty black and white answer, right? I mean, that's, that's, what but it's, it's not like, but that's the problem. That's what they did in P4W. They just shut her down, mm. but they didn't know how to do anything else. Right. right. And that's what, what happened is that they thought they could make the creating choices and the, you know, the little cottages and everything work. But one little thing went wrong. Somebody broke a rule and bam, they go back to Everybody. what they know. And they put up the barbed wire and they put up the fences and they put up the cameras. And the, the, the problem is, is that it has to be a, a kind of a movement where we have the services in the community to deal with the mental health issues, the PTSD, the childhood and sexual physical abuse that these people have experienced, that that is dealt with basically get back to minimum, uh, minimum livable wage and liv- um, income where people can actually avoid poverty and avoid the, the things that lead them to these situations and this trauma. So it is, it's going to be a gradual thing and the prisons will just close naturally. Mm. If you can prevent um, the recidivism, then you, you, they will close naturally. You know, it's not like you walk up, close the door right now because they don't know anything else. There isn't, they're not, as you see in the film, the services aren't there in the community. They're there for a very few and lucky women that have advocates that can help them get to the appointments or, or that have other supports or have, you know, maybe a parent that can come and drive them somewhere, but they're not there for the real struggle, the, right. the struggling women who, who can't access it. Yeah, it makes. Uh, by the way, earlier on when you had re- were quoting the lyrics from that that song at the end of the film, "Common Ground," I thought that could have been a great title for the film uh, as well, because it kind of, you know, it's it's got that "I'm connected to you and you're connected to me" kind of feel to it. Because really, there is a sense in which you, uh, you know, you and uh, I guess it is Senator uh, Peter Wright that that we've all kind of, I mean, there but for the grace of God go we, right? Exactly. Yeah. And is, well, maybe we'll name the screening tour. Maybe we'll name our screening <laughs> tour that we're going to head off right. on. We'll call it the Common Ground. The Common, Common Ground Common Tour. Screen. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Thanks, so, David. So, so tell me a little bit about From the Ground Up. Is that okay? Can we? I mean, can we talk about that for those who haven't seen the film? Because I think it's a really fascinating notion. Yeah. And, and you just made a reference too, as well. Uh, uh, actually, now I'm not sure who it was, uh, but to creating choices. Maybe you can kind of connect it to that. That sort of. Uh, approach. I was going to say experiment, but that's not fair. That approach to, we to don't. trying to attend. Don't give away yeah. too much, Ariel. Yeah. <laughs> don't give. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, I just want to say that the that the um, um, from the ground up that the women like the, the women themselves after um, we were with them for I don't know a year plus and they kept coming back in and mm-hmm. then they would talk about why they ended up back in and what they needed on the outside, what they didn't have. Right. So that was the main question of the film. Like what would you've needed to not end up here? And so through their discussions about what was missing for them when they left, they started to talk to brainstorm and it came very organically. They started to brainstorm well, what would they need? What kind of a place would they need? Why aren't, why aren't the existing, you know, anything that exists is not working for them. And so they came up with this this idea for sort of like a it's like a housing commune, I guess, in in nature, 
um, where people would work and live and have support and support each other uh, called From the Ground Up. So that came and then we ended up um, uh, also bringing them together with architects, which they wanted, they wanted to meet with some architects. And so we organized that for them. And um, I don't know how much, you know, we shouldn't say, like when you said, don't say too much, <laughs> Nance, like not to say where it ended up or, I mean, you know. Well, we, I think you can go back to the other plans. It's a cyclical thing right. in, in mm-hmm. corrections and justice in this country. So um, the two plans that Kim outlines in the film that she said that this sounded very much like, I mean, when were they proposed? Ariella, what, 30? Well, creating Choices was the national, that was the bigger, well, well-known well plan that was 1990, um, right? created um, 30 years ago. And um, that was a massive project to, you know, everybody with government, um, people in prisons, women's side, you know, nonprofit organizations, every people came together to create this huge plan. And that was ended, ended up what what shut down P4W and ended up um, being the creation of these other um, five other women's uh, prisons across the country, which were never intended to be as prison like, as Kim says, um, they were supposed yeah, so, to be a radical alternative, and this was seen internationally as like a groundbreaking, um, groundbreaking, um, innovative approach and alternative. And from you know the Kim Pate's perspective and some of the other people's perspective, even people who work in the prisons, um, that it, that it's not worked out the way it was supposed to. Um, because they are like prisons and now we have more and more women in these prisons than ever were at P4W. So by making something better, it ended up um, just increasing the, the uh, numbers of women in prison. Yeah. P4W is a prison for women in Kingston that was shut down in the nineties. Hmm. Quite, quite, so sadly, we're going to have to wrap it up in, in, in a few minutes, but I did, I did want to talk a little bit about, about it comes up in the film mental health issues, trauma-like uh, related issues and so on, and, and then even PTSD at one point. And, and, and I wonder, is, and I'm happy for you to go either, either of you anywhere with this, but is there a sense in which if we could get to some of these people, I was going to say women in this case, but people sooner, I'm including myself in that, by the way, um, that we could mitigate some of these problems, these potential risks? I mean, in a sense, I guess that's a really simple question to answer. But I think there's a level of complexity to it when you bring in political voice and, and profit and ideology and, and all those things. Um, but I'm wondering if you could, you know, if you could sort of talk to that mental health component, uh, even even for a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah, can you just so so? And, well, you know what? Actually, how about thirty-two and a half seconds? You've got thirty-two and a half seconds okay. just to wrap it all up. Yeah, I'm kidding. Take your time. Well, you can take more than a couple said, minutes. Funny when you said, uh, "Can we get to it sooner?" Like the first thing that came to my mind was um, in terms of sooner in people's lives, earlier in people's lives, and uh, all the women who we ended up talking to in the film, um, you know, everything that kind of traumatized them started in childhood and often through families or lack of family support. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sooner, um, earlier supports that are there for families or for people who don't have families 
I think would definitely be something that would be helpful. Yeah, it's 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 poverty. It's, mm. it's really it all just comes down to that. I think. So 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 tell me a little bit more about about how you how you think about po- poverty. Poverty is a pretty layered thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the film, it it starts out. You can hear Bianca saying that that you can't you can't buy love in rehab. You can't get it from a therapist. You can't get it at a detox center. Um, it's Poverty in, in, well, in Nova Scotia, we have all kinds of poverty. You have economic poverty. You have, you have poverty of uh, location. When you live in a remote area two hours away from a hospital, it you're, takes you months and months and months to get any kind of specialist to look at you. Um, there is a real crisis. And, and it really comes down to, it, it comes down to access. Mm. And it comes down to the haves and have not, have not, and and how we treat them. There, there's a set. I, I can't help but be struck by the the sense of, um, and again, I think this is that empathetic lens that you guys bring to it as storytellers and filmmakers, and in this case, a, a very empathetic uh, opportunity for us as viewers to step into this story. There's a there's a family dynamic there, and every now and then, you kind of shock me out of the the film by. Uh, you know the the little bits of business that remind me that that, that this must have been a pretty um, hmm, moving experience for you guys as well. Can you, as we wrap up, can you talk to me a little bit about that? I would imagine you're still probably in touch. I think one of you have already mentioned that earlier on. Uh, can you talk about that family that developed that that? And and interestingly too, if I'm help me out here, but I think somebody early on in the film said uh, maybe it was mom saying something about her daughter. I can't remember which which daughter, but that that this is where I feel most secure. This is this is the, you know it's in prison where I feel the safest. Yeah, because uh, I mean they do say that, and that's it's one of the tensions in the film is that we're we're not trying to say that prison's great because right. people feel there at all. In fact, it's the reverse. Yep. It's an indictment on our society to say that you know there's so little that there's so little support in society that people end up having to go to prison because it's like the only, the only social service that doesn't turn people away and that can't turn people away. Um, so that's kind of, you know, used in that way. Um, and I think in terms of when you were talking about the sense of family, um, were you asking about how we feel together with the women or how we've affected them? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I see that beautiful, by the way, a little shout out here for folks at conviction and that's how it's spelled conviction documentary.com. But there's the lovely photo uh, of, of you, I believe on the, on the creator's link. And that that's maybe not the whole team, but it, it sure to me certainly captures a dynamic that, that looks like a pretty close knit group. I think, I guess because we entered the project and with our first, very first meetings there as not sort of presenting ourselves as people and what we're interested in. We were totally upfront about what we wanted to do and why we wanted to make this. And, um, you know, we, I think we shared quite a bit of ourselves. We always Mm. participated in the activities when we could, we shared any piece of equipment that we had. We were encouraging, um, the women to try and to use all the cameras, all the mics, like one woman was interested in learning more about sound. So, you know, she she would often work with me. So I think that it's about, and you were talking about relationships at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I think it really is 
the film, it comes through in the film. Um, it's about the relationships and we didn't want to have a conventional, you know, interviewer subject relationship. Right. Um, we, we really wanted to, like, I think we, we learned a lot. They learned a lot. Like um, we're still very much in touch with the women. We feel like, I think I can say that they're, they're part of our lives and we're a part of their lives. And that's not always uncomplicated. I mean, there's lots of um, negotiations there to, to try to, I guess, you know, we're asking society to take a risk Mm. and to open up to people that, some people in society might not feel uh, very welcoming to or very open to. And so I think we're, you know, we're trying to do that in the way that we've made the film and we hope that that comes, comes through in the film. Well, I, I, I would say it does. And this whole, this whole notion of, mm-hmm. of, of, uh, and if you'd like to just comment on this, but this notion of investing in people and not prisons, you know, in, 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 in communities and not in incarceration, uh, come for me is certainly not only a thread, but, uh, but, uh, but a message. I think that, I mean, that's the, that's the call to action. It seems to me. Yeah. And it, and it's interesting because within each of these institutions, there are many people who, do care deeply about um, the women inside right. and who actually feel that they could be much more helpful right. if it wasn't in a prison context. And the guard, Tanya, who's one of the key yes. um, participants in the film, you know, she comes out and says that and she doesn't work there anymore. So now she works in the community. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a reallocation of not mm. just money. It's not just a reallocation of money. It's a reallocation of of responsibility. Mm. You know, we're, we're responsible for reacting differently, you know, as a society. Reacting with love. I, I, I don't yeah. think I can, I couldn't come up with a better place to end the, the interview, a real allocation of responsibility and, and, uh, and, and, and ending on love. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good place to end. I well, listen, by now they're going to call us all bleeding heart liberals. You know that, right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Listen, I being called names. That's right. Yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. What what a what a pleasure chatting with you both today. We've been we've been uh, talking with Ariella Polka and and Nan Sacrament about about their new film Conviction. Hey, just before we go, uh what's next for the film? Uh can you can you talk to us a little bit about that or is it just stay tuned to the to the to social media and to the website for the time being? Um we're, we're submitting it to other festivals nice. around the world. Um, we're going to have um, an impact campaign where we're partnering with um, uh, groups Elizabeth and Fry. the Elizabeth Fry Society across the country um, to have screening events. And we really want we really want people to use the film as a tool. There's been many um, universities and schools who have been interested already so in uh, in having us participate in. Um, panels, events, having the film, and uh, it's going to be broadcast on the documentary channel in the fall. Yeah, and also we're going in. We're going into uh, the prison that it was shot in, the provincial prison, to show it to everyone there. So we're having, and on this day, we're hoping to have uh, uh, screenings across the country in prisons if we can get that organized. So I think I think maybe you should be working on a petition as well. I, it's maybe maybe you're already thinking about that in the impact campaign, but yeah. Give give people that give give us something to do when. <laughs> yeah, we're we're exactly so yeah. we're going to be 
like we're all we're on all the social media platforms to at conviction documentary and at conviction doc so so great uh, yeah we're, that's a great idea well listen thanks thanks, so thank, thanks again for your time today so so appreciate it thank you thanks even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quins is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more and the best part about quince they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe ethical and responsible manufacturing elevate your style without the elevated price tag with quince go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.